Hello, everyone, and welcome to 2021 and the fourth season of Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast to bring you insurance news and perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. I'm Kathy Imus, and I'm delighted to kick off our first episode of 2021. Today, we're uncovering new drone rules. Dynamics Tom Carroll breaks down the new FAA regulations, giving insurers more flexibility. Plus, a record-setting year for weather, the number of billion-dollar events that rocked the U.S. in 2020. But first, with one week until President-elect Joe Biden is inaugurated, tensions remain high in Washington in the wake of the tragic events of last week when the U.S. Capitol came under siege as Congress sought to certify the results of the election. Democratic leaders in the House will ask for a vote on legislation to have Vice President Mike Pence invoke the 25th Amendment and remove President Trump from office. That will likely be followed by articles of impeachment. NAMIC and many other organizations have condemned the violence that took place last week and remain dedicated to working with Congress and the executive branch to advance the mutual property casualty insurance industry agenda. That agenda includes educating lawmakers on an issue that is anticipated to get a lot of attention this year, credit-based insurance scoring. NAMIC has just released a new white paper to educate lawmakers on the basic foundations of underwriting and rate making called Why Your Insurance Costs What It Does, a risk-based pricing primer. While risk-based pricing is second nature to insurance industry participants, this analysis zooms out to create an easily digestible and understandable overview of the fundamental concepts of risk assessment, classification, selection and pricing to drive home the point that restrictions on underwriting and rate making have the effect of driving up policyholder costs. You can access the white paper online at namic.org in the advocacy section under public policy papers. Although the word unprecedented has been perhaps the most overused word when talking about 2020, it's also the most accurate word in terms of the unprecedented number of weather disasters, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. NOAA reports there were 22 weather events in 2020, which cost a billion dollars or more. Last year was also the most active wildfire year on record across the West. More than 2,500 wildfires burned over a million acres in the Rocky Mountain region, with nearly $350 million in damages. The report also noted there were 30 named Atlantic tropical storms and hurricanes, with a record 12 making landfall. 2020 also saw a derecho track across the Midwest, causing an estimated $2.9 billion in insured losses, making it the fourth largest weather event in recent history. So what does all this mean for the industry and how can insurers prepare for future weather events? To help answer those questions, NAMIC is hosting an all-new event this year to provide the latest insight on derechos, severe convective storms, and other extreme weather. The Derecho and Severe Weather Virtual Summit will be held on February 18th, and you can register for that single-day event online at NAMIC.org. At the event, experts will explore the past, present, and future of derechos and provide insight as to how catastrophe models handle severe weather. 
Additional sessions throughout the year will focus on hurricanes and wildfires. The summit will conclude with a discussion of creative reinsurance solutions to be responsive to today's weather. Also keep in mind, registration for NAMIC's entire 2021 event calendar is now open online at NAMIC.org with opportunities to gather both in person and virtually. Well, federal regulators have issued some new guidelines now allowing drones to operate at night and over people. That's a change in the rules that could expand their use by the insurance industry. On today's Unscripted, our Chuck Chamness talks with Tom Carroll, NAMIC's General Counsel for Federal, about the newest drone rules that provide insurers more flexibility for inspections and claims adjusting. Joining me today on Insurance Unscripted is Tom Carroll, NAMIC's General Counsel Federal and resident drone expert. Tom also sits on the FAA's Drone Advisory Committee as the only insurance industry professional. And he played a role there in developing the new rules for drone remote ID and for operating drones above people. Two very important topics. So welcome, Tom. Thank you, Chuck. It's great to be here. Tom, I think you might be our most frequent guest on Insurance Unscripted, which speaks well of your usefulness and utility dynamic members, where you cover so many important issues, including uh, now going on six years of HUD litigation. So on behalf of our members, thank you for all of that, Tom. Unfortunately, it's closer to eight, Chuck. (laughs) Eight, six, whatever. Um, Let's talk about something more recent, and that is these recent FAA regs on drones. As you said in your special report that uh, came out very recently, the linchpin for these rules has been development of requirements for remote identification of drones. Can you tell our listeners what this means and what it will do to impact the future UAV regulation. Sure thing, Chuck. Uh, the, the, one of the problems the, the FAA has had in terms of trying to make regulations for drones, and the FAA has exclusive jurisdiction of drone regulation, is that it is impossible pretty much to tell one drone from the other as they're flying overhead. And it was uh, difficult to set any sort of traffic management system until they could figure out how to figure out which drone was which. So this remote ID is probably best described as a, a digital license plate, where the drone will now be required. The drones will now be required to transmit certain information, including identification, location, performance information, to people on the ground and other airspace users. So this will allow people to know who's flying what drone, where it is, where other drones are, and will allow more regulation in terms of the the safe and appropriate use of these things in the national airspace. Wow, that uh, that does solve the problem, uh, hopefully. Um, you know, another thing that has been an issue for our members has been the ability for drones to fly over people and moving vehicles. You'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think some of our members, at least a couple, had a special exemption or some special ability to do this. But what will this do for all insurers now uh, compared to what the previous rules were? Yeah, that, that's exactly right, Chuck. You could get special permission from the FAA, but it was a very long and complicated and specialized process. And a few NAMIC members did go through those arduous uh, rules to, to go through and get that special permission. But one of the things we focused on, NAMIC particularly on the, the FAA Drone Advisory Committee, is to, to, to do away with that, those special rules and special exemptions and provide more general rules that will allow everybody who complies with these rules 
to do those certain things. As you said, the keys that we've had predominantly in the insurance industry and the insurance use of drones in terms of inspection, inspections, uh, post-disaster, claims handling, things like that, is we're flying over policyholder property and that usually means that there's individuals around that property. And the FAA's original rule was you cannot fly over people at all under any circumstances. Uh, that's been softened over time. There have been exemptions given for that. But the new rule with this remote ID allows for certain classes of drones to fly over people as long as they don't hover over large, large uh, gatherings. Uh, but it, it allows our members, member companies, to basically use these, these things more efficiently to go from property to property, get the type of data and information using drones that help them provide better service to the policyholders. Got it. Well, even with this, though, we know there's still some lack of clarity around these newly released rules. Um, are there any potential problems for insurers that uh, our listeners should know about? And uh, how are you working to clear things up with the FAA since you're on the insurance advisory panel? There are some issues that, like any rule, there are some questions left over that. Exactly, you know, what the FAA considers to be a, a, a large group, grouping of people and when, and what is sustained flight over an open air assembly is not particularly clear. That uh, we, we tried to get some clarity from them on that, um, but uh, it's something we have to probably get interpretive letters, and that's how we'll work with the, with the FAA and the Drone Advisory Commission on that. Um, there was also uh, one of the issues that uh, the FAA basically punted on was the question of privacy, and, and NAMIC's been at the forefront of trying to understand the airspace regulations and when our members may or may not get in trouble in terms of flying over other people's property when it's trespass, when there's noise problems, things like that. And the FAA has from the beginning taken the position that they as the Federal Administration, uh, Aviation Administration do not have any authority to deal with privacy issues. Uh, those predominantly are left to the states in terms of state and local regulations. So, but that gives a, a you know a lack of clarity for our members in terms of what they can do and how they can do it. So, those are the the two issues. Getting a little bit more interpretation of the, these new drone rules, exactly what the, the remote ID requirements are, uh, what that sustained operation over people is, and then uh, some of the other requirements with respect to to, to to safety and privacy. Got it. So there was also some discussion about an insurance requirement, um, but it ultimately uh, fell flat. What happened there? Yeah, a lot of people felt that it would be a, the, the, the federal government should require a certain insurance coverage for the operation of drones for the liability uh, that might happen from a drone crashing into property or people. And uh, again, uh, we, we, we have always been, we NAMIC have always been the proponent of state-based regulation with respect to insurance and trying to oppose any federal insurance requirements that, uh, uh, for agencies to set different areas like that. So uh, we, we provided some advice and the, the FAA basically again said that they don't have any, any jurisdiction, legal authority or jurisdiction to mandate the purchase of liability insurance. Uh, they recommended that, that it would be prudent for pilots to have that. Um, and uh, uh, but that's something that we we felt very strongly with, and and pro provided our input and our comments to the on the proposed rules, that it, it's not the authority of the of an agency of the federal government to decide who should have insurance, how much insurance, and how that insurance should be interpreted. That's that's a question of state law. Well, that certainly sounds 
consistent with our members' view. So these rules have been a long time coming, and I'm not going to guess at how long it's been since I've been reading your work and uh, seeing the uh, NAMIC work on behalf of our members around drones, because I will guess wrong as I did with HUD. I always guess short. You know, if you've been around for a while, it seems like uh, it seems like yesterday, but it was eight years on HUD. So, tell us a little about this journey to get here and and your involvement for the industry and for our members. Um, you know, I can think back on a few policy papers, including some that included Latin terms I hadn't heard of about uh, airspace and privacy. And uh, so, how did we give us a short history of uh, your involvement with this? Yeah, that, that was one of the areas we were mostly interested in, in the beginning. And we have got several white papers that are available on the NAMIC website that people can go back and look at. It's basically the, the question of uh, when there is trespass and nuisance and things like that. And that's important to our members because uh, if they happen to be looking at, say, a, a policyholder's home and they, they inadvertently fly over the neighbor's property, uh, is are, are they basically... It's just as if the insurance adjuster walked on the property. You know, is there a problem with that in terms of the airspace? And and basically, is 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 anyone allowed to fly a drone uh, wherever they want? Can they, they can can they fly it in your front yard? Uh, theoretically, you can tell someone that's trespassing on your front lawn to get off. But if someone's flying a drone six feet off the ground in your front yard, according to the FAA, you you don't have any authority to interfere with that. In fact. Interfering with that is a violation of federal law because you're, you're considered aircraft just as a, a Boeing 747 is. So uh, we've been trying to get clarity on that issue from the beginning in terms of who owns that space. Is it the, 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 the landowner? Is it the policy owner? How, how, how high can a drone go? When can a drone go too low? Things like that, which is, again, are critical issues to our members. Uh, we've been doing that. We've been trying to get clarity for that for a long time. Uh, and we get more and more involved with that. And I de I've dealt with senior FAA officials over time. So when the Drone Advisory Committee was set up, uh, we applied uh, and the Secretary of Transportation basically uh, uh, picked NAMIC uh, to be a representative and to be on the Drone Advisory Committee, which advises the FAA on what rules should be applied uh, and, and how those rules should be applied. So this is, we also have a drone working group at NAMIC made up of a number of different companies who are either using drones or, or interested in using drones. And we provide information and input and uh, get, their, get feel their pulse in terms of the issues that they think are most important to the operation of drones for property casualty insurance. Well, Tom, I know that uh, you've written quite a bit about this that I think would be useful to our members. If they didn't see the email, uh, most recent email report, where can they find information on drones? Again, the NAMIC website has got uh, all the issues on drones. It's, it's a separate uh, drone page. The white papers are there. Uh, the, the specific rules are there. Anyone that's interested in being on the working group, we provide a monthly update of uh, federal and state action with respect to drones and developments in the industry that are interesting of interest to the insurance industry. So. Um, again, anyone that would like to become a part of that group and get that regular communication, uh, they can contact me uh, or anyone at NAMIC and they'll be able to direct them to us um, or just get the information off the website and, and white papers that are there. Great. Well, Tom, thanks again. It's been very informative as, use, as usual and uh, I think this is the third time on the podcast and I'm sure we'll have you back for more. Chuck, thank you very much, and uh, I appreciate the uh, the support that uh, everyone's given and the interest that people have in it.
Thanks, Tom. Thank you. And that's a wrap for this episode of Insurance Uncovered. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and will join us again in two weeks on January 27th when we'll return with more insurance news and interviews. Remember, if you have a topic or issue you'd like us to uncover, don't hesitate to reach out and let us know. You can always send us an email at uncovered at Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a great day.